Hey guys, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and thank you for joining me for this episode of Amateur Altours. You can follow us at Twitter, at AltoursPod, and you can email us with any questions or comments at theamateuraltourspodcast at gmail.com. This episode, I'm going to be watching and recording a film in real time. I wouldn't consider this a commentary track because it isn't exactly continuous, but this is definitely real time. Before I get into all of that, what movie are we going to be watching tonight? Well, we'll be watching Hereditary. So my history with this film is one of interest and curiosity. So I saw the the trailer for this film in March, right before I saw the forgettable Unsane, and I thought to myself, yeah, this looks like a good flick. Creepy, but nothing really too serious. And then the film comes out, and I hear all this buzz about it, and the film is being praised by audiences and critics alike, some even going as far as comparing it to The Exorcist when, and even saying it was better than The Exorcist. So I'm not gonna lie, those praises actually kind of turned me off to this film, and my reasoning is that, in my experience, whenever horror films come out and they are compared to even better better films of the past, these classic films that have literally redefined cinema, well, I see that as a gimmick to get people into the seats. Every time I hear that a horror film is redefining the genre, I am almost always disappointed by said film. Now, speaking of The Exorcist, I actually just watched it earlier this month for the first time, and it is absolutely incredible. It's still genuinely creepy and disturbing, and an amazing film. Now, Dana Buckler from How Is This Movie Podcast, and soon to be The Dana Buckler Show, did an amazing episode in The Exorcist series. If you guys want to know more about that history of the film and why it still works to this day, go check him out. I I highly recommend the show. But my point is, I don't think that they make horror films like that anymore. And now, there are two films that I think are so grossly overrated for the same reasons, but are for some reason considered game-changer horror films, and those films are of 2017's It and 2018's A Quiet Place. Now, I'm not saying that these are horrible films that have no redeeming qualities at all, but to claim that these films are revolutionary and visionary is a complete over-exaggeration. These films were a complete were completely predictable with no central themes and exhibited some piss poor CGI. The films were over reliant on undeserved jump scares and banked too much on the albeit awesome performances of the cast. Now, rather than properly mesh all the elements into one cohesive unit. My point to all of this is that I think audiences and critics are wishy-washy when it comes to deeming films as game changers way too quickly. I think that deeming films like It or A Quiet Place as hugely influential during their opening weekend releases is way too premature and honestly a bit too much. Now there are obvious exceptions to the rule. Films like The Babadook, It Follows, Get Out, Cabin in the Woods, Let the Right One In, The Witch. These films really push the bounds for what modern horror filmmaking can be. I think it's these films that are redefining the horror genre because of how smart they are. These films not only have prevalent messages and themes, but they are sincerely scary in telling their stories. They know what makes the genre work, and they push the genre to new levels of storytelling. Now, with all that being said, Hereditary. Upon hearing this film, I actually wanted to check it out. I heard it was extremely atmospheric and gripping, and I wanted to see this film actually with Jake Shell of our Isle of Dogs and Quiet Place reviews, 
but plans fell through and it eventually was set on the back burner. Now, the reason I am watching it now, tonight, is something what Brian told me. Now, unfortunately, he isn't here to tell the story himself, but essentially, he told me that while he was watching this film with his girlfriend, they got so scared that they had to stop the film, and they haven't returned to it. And they specifically stopped at the 30-minute mark of the film. Now, I'm sure it was the environment they were watching in, and they got super into the movie, but... It's this specific review is what pushed me to do this episode right now. So as for the film itself, I know absolutely nothing. That 30-minute mark thing, that probably means something to you guys listening. But I have absolutely no idea what to expect from this movie. I saw one trailer over six months ago, and I purposely didn't watch any trailers outside to go so, so I could go into the film blind. Now, if I were to take a guess, based on that one trailer and the name of the film, I would say that somebody died, or this family moved into a new house, whatever it may be, the event has spurned a paranormal experience within the family. I'm going to predict that it focuses specifically on the children of the family, mostly because of that clicking tongue girl shit from the trailer. So, from there, um, I think that shit is really going to hit the fan. I think that the mother is going to die, if not the whole family, and I think we're going to have like a Carrie slash Friday the 13th part 1 ending scenario, but not so much in the sense of a surprise ending per se, just that the person we think is dead isn't, and they're going to fuck someone up in the movie. And I know that this is vague, but I literally know absolutely nothing of this film. I don't even, I don't even, I haven't even read reviews, or in-depth reviews I should say, or anything like that, what I would normally do, so I'm blind. As for the filmmaking, I think this is going to be a very technically sound film. I think I'm going to really like this film and probably recommend it in some capacity. Predictions about the filmmaking. Um, I I think that this film will fall into the trope of an overabundance of undeserved jump scares. Although I think some may still serve a purpose. I think most will be bullshit just to get me tense, but whatever. I think the atmosphere will be very strong, though, and will help me get absorbed into the scenes and the atmosphere of the film. I don't think I'm going to give a shit about any of the characters, and will enjoy the ride of seeing them tormented. I hope that's not the case, but I'm just kind of getting... that's my prediction. I don't really know what to expect, so I'm pretty excited and I have high hopes. So, once again, to quickly recap... I have the film queued up on my Amazon Prime, I'm sitting in my room with the lights off and my pajamas on, I'm going to be watching the movie and pausing it at a schedule of two times, as of right now, two times. I'm going to be pausing at the 30 minute mark, or roughly where I think Brian stopped originally, and I'll comment if I think he was a wimp or not. And then from there, I'll stop at the end of the film and I'll give you all of my initial thoughts on the film, so pretty much a mini, re- a mini review. If any of you want to tag along, I'll tell you exactly where I paused and tell you what's going through my head at that time so we can watch this film together. So, without further ado, let's sit down and watch Hereditary. Oh. My. God. Okay, so right off the bat, spoilers. I am going to be talking about spoilers. There's no way I can talk about this film right now and later on without going to the spoilers. So, guys, I am at the 3836 mark. If you have not seen this film, then watch it now and come back and stop at the 3836 or or not, but watch this film because there's going to be spoilers from here on out. 
this, I have to say it right off the bat, this might be a bold statement, but this so far is almost near perfect of a film. And I'm only, what, like a quarter of the way into it? And that's a bold statement. So far, this is almost as near of a perfect of a film. Now, I want to address what I said about what with Brian uh, early on, where he said he'd stopped in like the 30 to 40 minute range because he was so scared the that they had to stop the film. Now, what I have to say about that is I am not scared right now, but I'm super into the movie, and it's... Scared isn't the right word. I am absolutely horrified at this movie, and I think that, and I mean that, like, that's the highest accolade I can give this film. So, for everyone that's seen the film, at the 38-minute mark, I think the sequence of Charlie... I believe is the is the younger girl's name Charlie just got killed and I just had seen the whole I just watched the whole sequence and I am completely enthralled. I'm quickly learning that this film like the the central theme of this film is the family dynamic and it's it's and I and I and I have to admit I've read some reviews where it's more about the family um, drama as it is about the horror supernatural aspect of this. So, and I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that vibe. And I'm just trying to look at my notes. So, I'm just going to read what I have, like, from this sequence. It's the horror of the scene. Not that I was scared. It was the gravity of what just happened. His, and that, like, his sister's dead in the back seat. Oh my god. The screams of the mother. And then we get the head. This is agonizing. This is masterful filmmaking. And, oh my, this is everything is meshing together so well. And I feel horrible. And I'm just looking back now, more with the sequence. Um,. I have right here, I feel so bad for Charlie, this this girl. I'm really into the drama of the character. And I was kind of catching up, like, the, the even, like, the setup, the screenplay so far. You know, in the beginning, she loves chocolate, but she's allergic to nuts. And then she we go to this party, and it's a chocolate cake. But you see them setting up, like, they're cutting nuts. And I'm like, well, there's nuts in this cake, probably. And then she's wheezing, and, and, I, and I just know, like, this is not nothing good. And... And someone with an allergy, I have a I have a food allergy as well. Allergic reactions suck. And and someone I'm I'm in nursing school. I'm I'm picking up on these signs. And you know, Strider, like this wheezing, she can't breathe. And so I guess this this film was getting this this new found uh like this empathy from me because I've been through these allergic reactions and they and I know how scary they are. And and also like I'm trying to find the notes for this girl. Um that I have about her. Hang on one second. So the scene that I have about this girl, or this 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 um this girl Charlie, I believe her name is Charlie. See, she has these this innocent quality. Like there's something like you don't feel quite right about her just in her behavior. But she, what I think what's really astounding about and the perfect casting for this is that she has these big beautiful blue eyes like baby blue eyes that is just it, which is i think is what's making this like really this this uh seeing this character really chilling because 
these blue eyes, you're I'm associating with like a baby and like innocence and but it's this this like very matted hair, very like lo- like very matted clothing, this very um disconnected performance. It's giving these like two conflicting vibes and it's meshing really well. But I like really like Charlie and I want to know what's going on with her and She's oh my I'm I'm like just thinking about this sequence it's 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 horrifying like this screenplay I I can empathize with every character I can empathize with her brother I can empathize with the mother like I um I can feel for them I feel the horror of every like sit this multifaceted and multi-layered and and like the one image that is sticking in my head is just the image of the of the dis um I don't want to say dismembered the um like the the head on the side of the road covered in ants it's uh just bloody like it's 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 like it's not this little girl anymore and like that's the scene that it's like it's the editing is perfect at this like so far everything is great so let me let me go through the notes that i have so i have <laughs> 12 minutes in holy shit good start we have that really that quick flash of the mother in the room and and this is the horror that I like. And this is, and honestly, I can start seeing these exorcist comparisons. It's like, it's there, but it's not like in your face, I guess you could say. But it's it's like, you're like, whoa, am I really seeing this? And it, it's dawning on you. It's not this jump scare in your face. Uh, 16 minutes in, cuts the bird's head off. The woman, and the woman waving. Like, what the hell's going on this? This is, yes, this is where the bright blue eyes, I like. I also, I quote, I like how the movie does not fuck around. It starts immediately. I I, the last time I really had th- these feelings that I'm that this film is evoking for me was now not that this film is anywhere near this, but when I was I think I was 13 when Insidious came out, and I remember the big taglines, the taglines in the beginning that I was saying I hate, but at 13 it's okay. Like this is the scariest movie ever made, blah blah blah. Like director of Saw, and I remember in the beginning of the film just feeling this sense of when's the ball going to drop when's the ball going to drop i'm i'm like really scared or not scared i'm 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 tense waiting for it to happen and the start for things to start and it's and it's always subtle and then it gets a little bit more and more this film right out of the bat like it puts you into it within the first 10 minutes of the film and so that's great um so then 18 minutes in, we get the grave is de- uh, desecrated. I also like the subtlety of the screenplay. It's just, like I said, it, it starts subtle, but then there's, you know, the mother appearing. And that, not that that wasn't subtle, but it was very like, oh man, what is going on? And then like the grave's desecrated, this woman waving. Charlie cuts the head off of the of the bird. Uh, 20 minutes, we go to the grief recovery. She's hiding it. She says, I'm going to go to a movie, but she goes to this uh, uh grief recovery love lost a loved one and i really love this scene too the acting and the camera work is amazing uh i don't i don't have the imdb right now at the end of when i give the first impression or initial or the initial thoughts i'll have hope i'll I'll have up the imdb so i can have i can credit the people who need to be credited but everything is great. It's this is the moment where we're getting filled up on the the audience getting filled in on the backstory and the exposition, but it's natural and the acting really gets it through. Like yeah, this woman is legitimately grieving. Uh, note about the camera work: lots of dollies and the framing is very square and symmetrical. It's it, it's it's reminding me of these, of her art installations of the dollhouse and which 
and and everything's square and not, I don't want to say symmetrical in the sense of Wes Anderson, but it's it's really evoking these feelings of like that her art is and like there was this, just a scene recently um, of she's putting the figure of her mother in the doorway while they're sleeping, but it 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 it, it feels like we're in in the room. It doesn't feel like a dollhouse. It feels like a room. So these these weird uncanny valleys, and the director is getting these awesome shots of you know these like forced perspective shots, and it's it's great. So. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, we Oh, another thing. There's an empty chair. Maybe I'm looking into it, but there's the empty chair at the grief, uh, the grief recovery uh, support group. Uh, it just is it's odd. I think that there's this empty chair. Maybe it's symbolizing that she's about to lose Charlie, but I just think it's odd that everyone's there except this one chair. And uh, yeah, that's just something I noticed. I don't know if that's just I don't know if that's something that's going to come up later or what, but then here we find out that the grandmother was heavily involved with the daughter, which I think this is when the creepy shit's going to start happening, because I, I had no idea that Charlie was going to die. I thought Charlie was going to be, like, the, um, the Reagan of this film, like, from The Exorcist, but no, she's, well, who knows? I don't know. I have no idea, but she's dead. She is dead right now, and, but another, so, uh, so that's where this creepy shit's gonna come in. But then at 23 minutes, I, I at the end of the, at the initial thoughts, I'm not gonna have like the breakdown. I don't think. But uh, just for just leading up to this sequence, at the 23 minute mark, he's smoking pot in his room, and he and he and he goes out and blows out the window. But there's someone watching him. I'm assuming that is uh, his sister Charlie watching him. But I don't know if it's from the treehouse. Like what's going on? Like someone's watching him, and that's creepy at 25 minutes this is interesting i found i saw something like i thought it was a i i noticed it immediately uh she's you know she's doing her toys thing she's it's kind of like what her uh, very rudimentary version of what her mom is doing with the um her art with the model building but charlie is doing these miniature i don't know figurines that like i said emulate her mom's work but it's very elementary and very you know, it's chi- it's a child's work, but at one at the twenty five minute mark, there or around that time, there was like this flare across the screen, and I was like, oh, like that's weird, and it seemed to be triggered by a musical cue, and I was like, oh, like that just seems to be like a lens flare, but then it cuts to another angle, and there's another flare, and it goes to I guess the window. And I'm like, I don't think, I think this is deliberate. Now, I could be reading into the movie because I'm super into it right now. But I think that this is deliberate filmmaking. Now, again, I don't know. I'm only a quarter of the way into the film, but this is amazing so far. Um, Yeah, 26 minutes. She's walking outside. There's the circle, the fire circle with the grandmother. I'm like, what the fuck? And at this point, my heart is pounding. I'm tense. What's coming? I know that I'm near this 30-minute mark. Uh, I wonder if I would have a different reaction to this scene. I mean, I don't know. I knew something was going to happen. I knew something was going to happen in that, in that, you know, we're setting up, there's, there's this very, I know they're driving there to this, this house party and there's a, a, a close up on the, on the, uh, what is the, the light pole. There was something written there 
I wonder if that was what was written in her wall. I didn't see it because I'm like, this is, again, the deliberate framing. I'm like, okay, this is important. This is super important. I wonder how this is going to come in. And then they get to the party. They're smoking pot, whatever. She's having this reaction. But like I said, I, 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 I empathize with this. I've been in this situation. Now, albeit not to this degree, but I feel so bad for this girl. And... And then it, it like really hits when they're driving to the hospital and she's literally kicking and she's kicking because she can't breathe. I'm like, oh my God. And at this point, I'm like, something bad's going to happen. Something really bad is going to happen. I thought that he was going to hit someone in the middle of the road or he was going to like, so, like something, there's going to be a car accident. I didn't know what though. And then I'm like, well, it's in the middle of this like Utah plane. I'm like, this, there's nothing here. Like, I, like unless it's like this cult thing. And then the moment she sticks her head out the window, I knew, I knew what was gonna happen. I'm like, she's, she's, she's gonna hit her head. She's gonna hit her head. And lo and behold, he swerves. He swerves to, uh, I think it was a deer in the road, and her head smacks right into that pole, and boom, it's gone, and then, at this moment, let me, let me, let me read to you, all caps, holy fuck, and I, and I said this aloud, I remember vividly saying this aloud, like, 10 minutes ago, and then, I was just in the scene, I was like, it was silence, no, because I thought something, there was gonna be a jump scare, I'm so, I'm used to films. Like, if Andy Muschietti had this, I don't think... No offense, like, to his style of filmmaking, but I don't think he'd be restrained enough to have the scene in silence. Because the whole build-up, we have this music, and it's it's really, like, it's racking up tension, racking up the tension, and then, like, the, the, the images we're seeing, and then the head... And then her head goes, and it's silent. And we just get this close-up of... Of the brother, and I'm forgetting the actor's name, and I've seen him so far in a lot of things, in my friend Dahmer and Jumanji, and I really liked him, and so I'm super excited to see him here, but, and then it's just silence, and he sells, like, he's in shock, he's in absolute shock of what just happened, and and tears fall down, and he drives home, and then he comes home, goes to bed, and then the mother wakes up and just starts screaming and that Charlie's dead, and guys, oh, I'm super into this movie. So far, so good. Like expectations are way above where I thought they were gonna be. So far, this film is living up to the hype, like completely. I'm, I'm in, I'm so into this film. This is masterful filmmaking. Now I'm hoping that the film can keep this momentum going. So. That's my thoughts right now. I'll keep taking notes and I'm going to give the initial thoughts. But um yeah, I'm I'm ready to go, guys. I this is great. I'm really glad I'm doing this right now. So, yeah, let's let's get back into it and I'll see you I'll see you next time. All right, guys, and welcome back. I hope you all enjoyed the film as much as I did. So, I just finished and I have my notes right here. Now, I'm not going to go shot by shot like I did for the 30 to 40 minute when I, the last time I, I talked to you guys, but uh, I still have my notes. I, there are some points I want to talk about, but I'm going to try and uh, articulate my thoughts and how I feel right now. So yeah, the film just ended like five minutes ago, and you know, I'm trying to figure out how I, f- so I'm not scared. Uh... And I think that's the point. I don't think the director, Ari Aster, I don't think he 
wanted me to be scared, if that makes sense. I think I'm definitely unsettled. I'm not as horrified as I was at the end, or of, of like the last time I talked to you guys, but I definitely was creeped out, and there was a lot of good things about this film in the end. And I have a great taste in my mouth. I think the end was perfect for this film. And I actually just tweeted out right before I hit record that, you know, I just finished, for those of you that follow me on Twitter, at Pod, but I just finished and I said that this film, it pays homage to classic horror of the 1970s and 80s while doing its own thing. And that, I think, is especially apparent. Movie buffs are definitely going to see that. And I think it's something that, I, th- I mean, I definitely caught up. There's definitely a lot of The Exorcist, The Shining, um, Rosemary's Baby, especially in the end. Rosemary's Baby was the first thing I kept thinking of. And I like that. I really like that. There's nothing... like This, this film is definitely paying homage to those classic films. And what and even some modern day f- films, whether that's in the cinematography, definitely got some uh, James Wan, uh, The Conjuring type shot. Like uh, a lot of the cinematography that James Wan uses in his films, I've been seeing. I saw here, and specifically, uh, there's a few shots that I had noticed. I was like, oh, I've seen those before. So, and but then you know the classic of The Exorcist with the very very subtle details that are thrown into the background i think the the pulsating flares as i've been calling them are the new uh demon faces that were u- utilized in the exorcist i think here it's it's replaced with the solar flares um him jumping out the window at the end of the film very reminds me very much of the exorcist and then obviously the very end where it turns out that charlie or the spirit of charlie is a is she's essentially Charlie is the Antichrist and this group of Satanists whose um, Annie's mother was a part of their whole plan is to try and get Charlie into this a new host to then like lead them and and then it ends with them very like the and I really like the last shot of this kind of um, very and it, I mean talking about the Antichrist biblical. Uh, references were to, uh, it, it reminded me of the nativity so the birth of instead of Christ it's the birth of the Antichrist with the the crown he's in the center it's it ends with this um like manger looking um, set piece and every and people bowing around him her and and then the film ends with Judy Collins which was very interesting, and that, I was like, I had a big smile on my face, I'm like, this is definitely, well, because at first, okay, so the end of the film, uh, it, well, we found out all this stuff that Peter, they're tr- Peter is going to be the vessel for th- whatever spirit to take hold of, we find out it's Charlie, and then I, I was, I wasn't sure where this film was gonna go, there was some, like, really weird supernatural elements, thrown in there uh annie figures all this plot out throughout the film that um that people are using her and she finds the plot that they're trying to use peter peter's in danger and and then i guess annie gets possessed 
at some point, and then Peter's possessed, and I was like, okay, where is this going? But then the moment that the character of Joan says, you are the eighth king of, of hell, I'm like, okay, this is the Antichrist, Rosemary's baby. We don't really know until the very end of the film that, yes, this is indeed, you know, Satanist stuff. And I really like that. I really like that last shot. I thought it all tied together. Let me try and see my notes. I'm just going to scroll through these. I know... And I got a lot of them, so I'm trying to look at... Okay, so resumed. So, so one of the things, I'm just going to try and be going in a stream of consciousness, so I apologize for the uh, lack of lack of fluency. But So one of the things I thought was interesting was that the director, Ari Aster, he actually had a shot list for the entire film. Now, I don't know if it was before the script was finished or the location. I just remember reading that the shot list, the cinematography was, you know, I think he had 75 shots that he wanted in the film. So I think that's as great. And uh, going back, looking more, cinematography was great. Even like intermixing his own stuff in there. Uh, I, I really liked the uh, following Charlie's death. I really liked how mostly Peter and Annie were responding to the death. Peter obviously having PTSD from the incident and Annie was just starting to resent her son. And I think it goes pretty interesting. Uh, here we meet the character of Joan um, at these meetings, which we find out is one of these Satanists that was implanted all part of this big plan. And I immediately, immediately said, here's my note about Joan. Something feels fucky with Joan. And I immediately got bad vibes from her. And then when the seance stuff starts coming in, like that definitely didn't help me out. But I definitely was thinking bad thoughts about Joan. Another film that I didn't mention that I feel like Hereditary is really also looking from is The Babadook. I really felt that the character of Annie and the way that she was acting, toward, especially towards her son, with grief and the stages of grief was really uh, very reminiscent of The Babadook and how that slow descent into madness and uh, I, I am trying to, I'm just like going through this, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, this, she's, the character of Annie, it, as the artist, is starting to make new art installations of her daughter's death, it's the neutral view of the accident, but it's just, it's just going devolving, and devolving, there's the dinner scene, which I've, I'd heard about, some people on Twitter, other film reviewers were talking about, like, this is a very awesome, and like, very powerful scene, and it was, where here, she just unleashed, um, Annie releases on Peter, your sister is dead, what a waste, you can't, like, you can't take responsibility, nobody admits anything they have done, great drama, great, it's so expertly written, and then it's thrown right back in her face, well, what about you, mom, she didn't have to go to the party, why was she there, and then this brings up the question that Annie, as much as she says other people don't take responsibility, she doesn't take any responsibility over pretty much anything that she does wrong, and another, like, I mentioned The Shining, Annie's character in a, in a few mo in a few scenes reminded me of Jack Torrance as in Jack Nicholson's portrayal of Jack Torrance. Specifically, I remember the scene when she's talking about her like relationship with Peter in that the the scene when she she was sleepwalking and she walked over his bed and she had um paint thinner and she lit the match but she woke up 
and Peter, their relationship was strained because it looked like he was try- she was trying to light him on fire. Now, I think this the way this scene is written, it reminds me a lot of the scenes from Jack Torrance in Kubrick's The Shining, because it's very much, it's not my fault. Like, I, I, I remember the scene, I, I, when, when Jack Torrance is talking about breaking his son's arm, Danny's arm, he says, oh, I gave just the slightest amount of pressure, just a little bit more PSI, and I just dislocated his arm, and he's being very dismissive, like, it's not his fault, and that's how, how Annie is responding to this, like, it's not my fault, I didn't, it's, 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 our relationship is strained, and he just, he won't let it go, like, I've done something wrong, and he won't let, he won't forgive me for it, and it's, it's just this interesting, complexity that Annie is saying that people aren't taking responsibility for their actions and she's blaming so many other people for all these misfortunes that she's having yet she can't take responsibility for her own actions throughout the throughout the film and then this comes to the end when she actually does start to take responsibility towards the end where she realizes oh like they're going after Peter this is bad we have to end this um to her husband, Steve, please burn the book. I'm she at the moment she thinks that she's going to die. And she's you know, I love you, I love Peter, you just have to do this. And then we get that reversal that actually Steve is the one that gets uh he's the one that gets burned up, which I wish the shot wasn't in the trailer because I saw it coming. But that was that was the one shot I do remember from the trailer, other than Peter breaking his nose, which is another great scene, but that was just very creepy, well acted, but with the fire, I was like, oh, so, well, in the beginning, I thought that Peter was going to be lit on fire, because I'm like, oh, it's going to be, like, it follows through, but then it's actually Steve, and I was like, oh, wow, that's, like, really intense, but then, so this is when I don't really understand, so Annie then gets possessed, and... I, I, well, I'm assuming it's Annie gets possessed because the solar f- the, the flare goes into her and she turns into someone else. I'm assuming it's the mother the the mother possesses her own daughter. But then we never see Annie ever again. And I was like, well, that just kind of happened randomly. So I didn't really like that a whole lot. But for what they do, so the next scene, very effective filmmaking at this point. Peter is waking up in bed. Now, I don't know if I was supposed to... And this is going to start like the really creepy scene until the climax, or to the very end of the film. I don't know if I was supposed to see this, and if anyone listening also saw this on their first viewing, please let me know. Please comment on Twitter or email me. Let me know. I really want to know. Did you guys see Annie in the corner above Peter's bed? Because I saw it immediately, and was like, oh my god, I see it. Am I not supposed to see it? I was watching this on my laptop, but on my bed. So like, kind of the lighting and the and the brightness of the computer was was back and forth. But I noticed it almost immediately. And I was actually messing with the brightness to see if I wasn't supposed to. But I noticed it immediately. And what made it creepier is the filmmakers did not bring attention to it. She was just there. And then... And then she like flies across the room outside, and then she's still on the ceiling. And then there's more attention. There's this big chase into this into the attic, and that's when he jumps out. We see the cult leaders. And yeah, I just thought that that was awesome filmmaking. I just think it's the subtlety. I think I actually, and now since I saw this on Amazon Prime, they were having the 
like uh, the trivia from IMDb, but it shows up on the same time. And one of the things that I had seen was that the director wanted the scares to be quote unquote emotionally justified, not cheap jump scares. And honestly, I I mean that's a the right way to go. And B, I thought exactly he did those. There were no jump scares in this film. Everything was earned, which is why I think this film is this this film is a game changer. I I, I I completely agree with all the hype after seeing this film. I was trepidatious going into it, but this is a game changer. This is this film is a perfect balance of homage and originality and it's this is I think being compared to The Exorcist, being compared to Rosemary's Baby and all these other horror films, it lives up to that. And honestly, this is a film that I think people are going to remember. This is a film I'm certainly going to remember, and I can't recommend enough. This is a film that 20 years down the road, people are going to remember this film. And I'm super excited for that because... This guy was this guy was a great film. The the imagery was awesome. The pacing was great. I think the story was a little bit long towards the end, but I never found myself checking the time and I never found myself bored. Whenever I found myself being kind of like taken out of the scene and like I wanted to check my phone to like text my buddies or something, something happened. And the pa- this guy knows pacing. Ari Aster knows his pacing and I also read that he has at least 10 more screenplays that he wants to put in development, and I am super excited. I can't wait for his next project to come out. I'm looking through some of his um, some of my notes, if there's anything huge before I get into my closing thoughts. Yeah, I just, I mean, nothing, this is all specific. I actually want to come back and have a more in-depth conversation about this with Brian, but yeah, I... Uh, yeah, just lots of very great imagery. It's a lot of uh, my notes are just talking about the imagery. Like right here, she's banging her head on the on the attic door, which was just very off-putting. And just cinematography was great, and just it's just the details. I really, I really did enjoy this movie, and I guess that I can I can get into the closing my closing thoughts and recommendations. So guys, as you could tell. I was super into this movie. I think this does the this it, this movie is a game changer. I, I legitimately think this is a genre defining picture. It's gonna re it's rewriting the rules, and this this film was great. I think everyone should see this film. This film is gonna be talked about in twenty years, twenty five years in in the for it's gonna be studied by. Um, Give it some time. It needs to. It needs to get out of contemporary and topical filmmaking forms, I guess you could say. But give it time. It and it. This is going to be talked about and studied by filmmakers. I. Th- I legitimately think this is the next. This. This is one of the. One of the next greatest uh, horror films. It's. It's definitely on par with the classics and it's it's in that list that I mentioned in the beginning you know the cabin in the woods the and I mean in those films they all do something different but you know the witch the cabin in the woods it follows the babadook get out these films I hereditary is definitely one of them so I can't recommend this film enough I I think everyone should see it I would give the film an 8.5 out of 10 
The only reason is just because it, it towards the end, it, it, it was it felt a little long, but, you know, 8.5, it's, it, it's the, the first half of the film is near perfect. The family drama, I don't even, like, I, I don't even want to consider this a horror movie. It's, it's more of a family drama for the first, like, three-fourths of the movie with some supernatural elements in there. It's not until the last, like, fourth of the film that it, becomes a horror movie once we start figuring out how the mother and 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 all of that is tied into this that's when we fi- that's when it becomes a horror film but this is it's more of about the family drama and yeah i this film is awesome so yeah i would give this an 8.5 out of 10 so you know what guys that concludes this episode of amateur tours i hope you guys watch the movie with me and i want to hear your thoughts on the film follow us at our tours pod let us know what you guys thought of this film and or email us just whatever just uh, so we can start that conversation and what did you i wanted to know what you all thought about this film so while i uh wait to hear from you guys thanks for tuning in and stay tuned we got a uh, got some episodes lined up and already recorded just got to edit them and we'll get them out to you but until then thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening thank you for listening to this episode of amateur all tours cover design was created by sarah jacobs you can find more of her work at our own website digital adventures the opening theme dreams is composed by joaquin Carid. This composition was found using a Creative Commons search. As a small plug, go check out both Sarah and Joachim's work. They are really great and deserve the attention. If you want to drop us a line, which we full-heartedly support, please feel free to contact us at our email, theamateuraltourspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, that is one word. You can also find us at Twitter at amateuraltourspod. Once again, thank you for supporting the show. Stay tuned for more episodes, and thank you once again.